Once again, we want to welcome you, I'm David, one of the pastors. Uh, uh, over the last uh, three or four months, I've missed more Sundays than I think I ever have in my career, um, but I am still appointed here. Um, and uh, now I don't have uh, time away, I think, until like Thanksgiving, so you're stuck with me for a little while. But um, uh, it's been good to have some other voices uh, uh, share and lead you and uh, help help you understand what the, the church is doing doing. Um, what we, we started a couple weeks ago, and we're going to continue for a couple more weeks, is uh, we're, we're, we're doing this theme about fundamental truths. And, and in that, I just want to sort of highlight some of the essentials of who we are as a church, as as uh, Christians, of what's important to our our faith, and uh, what, 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 what are we emphasizing. And so uh, we, we'll, we'll continue that in, in the coming weeks. But um, this morning, what I want to talk to us about is uh, is the idea of of doubting, of doubting. Is is it okay to doubt? Is it okay to question? Is it okay to wonder if God really is who He says? If He really can do what He what He says He can do? Can we really put our faith in Him? Will He really show up? in all circumstances of our life. Can I trust them with my finances? Can I trust them with my life? Can I trust them with my kids? Can I trust them with my health? Now, we all know the Sunday school answer to that, right? You're supposed to go, yes. Right? I mean, and, and, and for many of us, we grew up in church being taught that you don't question, you just accept that, that uh, doubt is, is weakness. Doubt is a lack of faith, which equals non-relationship with God. Therefore, if you doubt, you don't belong to God. Believe harder, try harder, do better. And thus endeth the sermon. Have a good week. <laughs> right? I, I, I remember growing up, and keep in mind, I was a smart aleck kid. I know that's hard to understand, but... Uh, <laughs> But I remember in VBS and some other places, you know, asking questions and being told by my my teachers, uh, you don't need to know that, right? You you don't need to know that. Here's the truth. Just just believe it. And and many of us grew up with that, which uh, that's it's fair. Our 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 uh, our Christianity is based on faith. Faith is something we can't see. It's something we can't prove. We we it's things hoped for, right? But um, Andy Stanley, a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, he says, "But a faith that can't be tr- uh, questioned also cannot be trusted." I think uh, for for and, and it's the fault of people like me of pastors. I think we have we have told people over and over again, you just need to trust. You just need to have faith. Just just do it better, right? And 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 we can I can devise a sermon in three minutes right now of of talking about how worry and fear lead to lack of faith and and uh, faith is the essential that holds us to God and since you're worrying fearing you don't have the relationship you you should have and and you need to come back to Jesus and and believe in Him and your life is going to be better and and if you just do it that way it's going to work for you. But that's not necessarily most of our experience. 
I know I'm not the only one in the room that's had crisis of faith at one point or another. Where these, these essentials, this belief of, of who God is and what he can do in my life, it just seems like it's not working out that way in the circumstances that we go through sometimes. Is it, can God take it if we question him? Is it disrespectful to him for us to question him? Should we be opening the door for folks to question Or is that dangerous to our faith? The reality is the way most Christians act is that it's extremely dangerous to allow people to think for themselves. That you need to hold the line and defend the line as you understand it. Isn't it funny? How many different Christian denominations are there? Or non-denomination denominations, right? How many of them are there? And, and different practices and different beliefs. And, and that's not even talking about world religions uh, that are different than Christianity. And you know what they all have in, in common? They all think they're 100% right. That they hold the truth. Have you ever asked yourself why their truth is different than your truth? Why yours is more valuable than theirs. And, and we have to be careful because in the church we have the tendency to go because what I believe is right. It's the same way we do politics, right? Anyone who voted for the other person has to be stupid. Because if you think differently than me, you just, there's some kind of mental problem going on. Because obviously, but is it that obvious? And, and how damaging is it for us to question? One of the things that attracted me to Wesleyan uh, theology, uh, which Methodist Church is part of that, what, that attracted me to it was, was uh, Wesley's approach to how we understand Scripture. They call it the Wesleyan uh, quadrilateral, but that's a misnomer. It's not a quadrilateral. It's not all equal sides. But these, these filters through which we try to understand Scripture, that Scripture is primary, but as we try to understand Scripture, we do that through through looking at what tradition says and how people have understood that in the past. We do that by measuring it by our experience of, of what we know about the world around us. And then what was what was a, 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 a sort of a, a new highlight in Wesley's day, he added reason to that. That, that God encourages us to use our minds and how we, how we understand him. I mean, he created us with a mind, right? Even in the great commandment, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The, the idea that it is okay to question. It is okay to, to, to wrestle with things. We don't have to believe the same exact things. I mean, think about it. If, if we, if you had to believe a particular thing and, and you couldn't be apart from that, if we had to have a homogeneous understanding of our relationship, we'd have an empty sanctuary. If Mona, that's Monica's new job as our associate pastor. She's going to stand at the door with the checklist. 
And as you come in, we're going to start asking you questions. Have you sinned this week? No? Well, you just did. So, <laughs> goodbye. Have, have, have you been jealous? Have you been envious? Have you talked bad about someone? Have you gossiped? Have you lied? Have you ignored need around you? I mean, if, if we, if we wanted to go, all of us have things in our life that we struggle with. But what, what would happen if we, if we were comfortable in questions? Frankly, I, I, that's one of the strengths of the Methodist Church, I think, is the ability to, to allow ulterior voices in, in the room. It doesn't have to be threatening. I think God is big enough to take, take care of himself. So many of us grew up with this idea that, that it's disappointing to God. And it amazes me in the Christian church how many people are more comfortable with a God who is out to get you than one who has love and grace. I mean, we're more comfortable with a God who's going to get him. And if you don't straighten yourselves out, he's going to get you. Than one that says, God loves you and he wants the best for you. Whoa, 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 slow down there. What kind of nonsense is that? Everyone knows God hates people. Doubt. It, at annual conference, we, uh, we had a speaker that taught, and uh, they were talking about new trends in the church and stuff, and the new culture that we're a part of, and how the church is still trying to do, uh, and it's not, I'm not just talking about this church, churches in general, how churches are still trying to do ministry as if we're in the 1950s, but we're in the 2020s now. Some of you needed that reminder. Um, right? And, and that the world is changing. And one of the, one of the things she used to highlight that is in 2018, there was a survey done of people who were profess, self-professed Christians that thought church and, and, and Christian life was important. In the United States, 74% self-professed that. In 2022, that was updated, it dropped to 46%. Now, I mean, that's concerning, but let's, let's remember what happened over those years. We had a pandemic. We had a really fun presidential election. We had racism and, and race wars. Uh, we have a, a economy that's falling apart. We have war. There's just a whole lot going on. And for those of us who grew up in church, we can sort of, we can sort of rationalize our way around those. But especially for our emerging generations, like your grandkids and my grandkids and the kids that are going to be coming even after them, they're struggling because the pat answers from the church just aren't fitting with their experience of life. And we don't really give them room to experiment. We tell them, if you don't believe this, you're not one of us. And it pushes them away. What would happen? What would happen? And maybe, maybe I'm completely, maybe chaos would ensue and, and the whole institution would, would crumble. But I just have a feeling that God's big enough to deal with our doubts and our questions. 
We're going to look at a passage from Matthew. It's a story all of you know. Even if you've never been in church before, you you know this story. It's about Peter walking on water uh, to Jesus, right? Um, It's got cultural references, and so we all know the story. But I want to use it this morning to to help us have this discussion about, uh, about doubting. We're going to be in Matthew 14, beginning verse 22. Immediately after this, this is right after one of Jesus' feeding ministries where he had fed a crowd uh, miraculously. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. And after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water, and when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, and in their fear, they cried out, it is a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have such little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. After that, after they had crossed the lake, they landed at Genesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I said, you all know this story. Jesus just done a feeding miracle. <coughs> Crowds there. The disciples uh, had their boat. They were going to go to the other side of the lake. He said, you guys go. I'll meet you over there. Um, I'm going to take care of the crowd, and I need some time with, with my dad. So the, he shoes the crowd away. He goes up in the hills and uh, just uh, spending time uh, in prayer with his father and relationship with his father. That's a whole nother sermon right there. Um, uh, it, it wasn't a 30 minute worship service. It, it lasted till three in the morning. And then it, the only reason he broke it up then was because he had to go deal with the, the disciples. But in the midst of the nighttime, the disciples who were making their way across the lake, a storm had come up. It's dark now. The wind is blowing. The waves are going. And they are terrified. And you've all heard this story before. And, and, and we, you know, we, we, oh yeah, they were on the boat. But let's, let's remember a good group of these disciples were not landlubbers. They made their living on the water. They, they had been out on the water many, many times. They had battled through storms many, many times. But this time was different. This one seemed out of control. The waves were high. The wind was strong. They're trying to make way across and they're not going anyway. And panic sets in. 
I think, I think we can relate to this. I think as sometimes the things where we usually live our lives, the things that we usually do for comfort or for a living, every once, as long as everything's going well, we're good. But every once in a while, trouble kicks into the things where we feel comfortable and it makes everything seem unpredictable and fear steps in. It's what happens when you have a loved one that suddenly becomes ill. It's what happens when an affair or divorce raises its head inside of a marriage. It's what happens when your kid keeps making the wrong decision and is headed to a future that you're afraid of. And all of a sudden, the circumstances, you nor- they wouldn't normally even bother you. In fact, you usually get joy in those areas of your life. The disciples love the water. But now, in the midst of this storm, it was frightening. So they're out there. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Wind blowing, dark, waves up, waves down, boat up, boat down. There, It's hard to get a perspective. It's hard. You only get a glimpse of the horizon every once in a while. There's flashes of lightning. There's thunder going. It's it's loud. It's chaotic. You can see a little bit. And, see, and as they're doing up and down, they see a, a, a image in the in the background. And now not only not only is 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 are they going to die from the storm? But now the evil spirits are coming. There's a ghost coming. It was Jesus. He was on his way out. But they can't see him. And and they're up and down. And they were terrified. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. And, 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 and again, how many times in our life when things start going wrong do we start to see everything in the worst possible light? Right? We, we start adding to our own problems because we've lost perspective. And now it seems like the entire world is coming out to get us. And so Jesus approaches them and says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. Great. Thanks, Jesus. Just what we needed. How many times telling somebody who's really upset, how many times does calm down help? Next time you get in a fight with your spouse, say, calm down, see what happens. <laughs> now, is it true that they didn't need to fear because Jesus was there? Absolutely. But in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a problem, it, are those words going to take away your fear? Take away your question. Are we going to die tonight? Absolutely not. It's not enough. I mean, these guys had spent time with Jesus. They'd seen him. do it. They just watched him feed a crowd with loaves and fishes. They knew that he had. But when it comes down to my life and my circumstances, I'm not sure God can come through. And right now, my experience seems a lot more powerful than what I know about Jesus. And I think if we're willing to be honest, there's been many times in our lives where we have felt that way. And somehow, in the back of our mind, we immediately feel guilty about that because we've had this push down our throat over and over again that if you doubt, you're disappointing God. And a lot of that is because of people like me that we preach a message where we tell you, don't be afraid. Be better. 
But that it's not that simple. A faith that can't be questioned can't be trusted. And they were questioning. Now they're going to have an experience that's going to help them trust in the, in the result of this and into the future. But in the midst of the storm, we have to give people the, the space. God gives people the space to question and to doubt. Is he really who he says he is? Can he really do any? I mean, this is questions that the emerging generations are asking. If God is so good, why do bad things happen? It, I mean, these questions have been around forever. In July, I'm going to do a four-part series on the top four Googled questions about who God is. And that's one of them. Why does a good God allow bad things to happen? If God's all-powerful, then why are kids starving of hunger? If, if God can stop or do anything he wants, why is there war? They're questioning now, is Jesus upset with them? This next passage, I think, is one of the most mispreached passages, and that's according to me. This is my opinion, the Gospel of David. And, and in that, I think, I think we turn what, what Jesus is doing as an act of grace into a punishment and a scolding. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Take courage. Peter I love Peter, and, and this is why I love Peter. He's, he's the first one willing to do something. He says, Lord, if that's you, can I come out to the water? Can I come out to see you? I mean, talk about faith. Are you kidding me? In the midst of the storm, the other guys are hiding in the back of the boat. Every time I've heard this passage preached, and... and, and we've read it already so you know what's happening Peter gets out of the boat waves come up wind comes up he loses focus and he sinks and Jesus goes and gets him and says uh, why did you doubt why did you have such little faith and the way we normally preach this is why did you doubt you of so little faith why, why, why do we love to see Jesus in that role it's because we love to think that the people we don't like, that that's what he's doing to them. Right? But I don't hear it like that at all. Number one, Peter showed amazing faith to get out. But even, even those of us who have faith and we're going through a difficult time and we can sort of gear ourselves up and say, I know by faith that God is in the midst of this. And so I'm going to, I'm going to continue to walk toward him. Even, even in the, in the midst of this cancer treatment, even in the midst of my spouse dying, even in the midst of that. But in the reality of what your situation every once in a while, it's more than your faith can take. And you begin to doubt. And that's what happened to Peter. He had faith. Just not, it wasn't that strong yet. I've always felt bad for Peter in this. He's the only one that got out of the boat. It, it walked to Emmaus back a long time ago. They used to have a film they'd show at the beginning. Uh, they've changed the film now, but it, it was a film of the disciples and stuff. And John and Peter and some others are having an argument. And John takes a shot at Peter and Peter goes, at least I got out of the boat. <laughs> I mean, he has faith, but it's being tested. 
And as he's going down, he says, Lord, save me. And it says immediately, Jesus reached down and grabbed him and said, why did you have such little faith? Why did you doubt me? I don't hear it as a scolding at all. I hear it as an encouragement. Peter, you know me. You know I got you. Come here. It wasn't get back in the boat. I can't believe you. No, it was Peter. Come on, you know me. I got you. I'm with you. You're okay. You shouldn't doubt about this. I'm always going to be with you. It's that gentle voice of, of the Heavenly Father through His Son. It's no different than those of you that have had kids and your kids having a nightmare at night. You don't go into them and go, stop it. I can't believe it. How ridiculous. There's no monsters in this house. No, what do you do? You go to them, you pick them up, you hold them, you say, we're here. You're okay. You're okay. You know that. Mommy and dad love you. That's what Jesus was doing to him. It was not an act of, of disappointment at all. It was, it was, Peter, I'm here. The moment you cried out, I, I, I had you. I was ready for you the whole time to need me. I've got you. I'm always going to have you. And, and, and folks, that's, that's the message of Jesus that the world needs to hear. I, I just get so concerned of what the, the tenor of our, of our discussions in, in churches and in our culture about how the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And if the church doesn't, duh, 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 all of you that use the Bible as a weapon need to read that thing a little more. Even the very powers of hell are not going to thwart God's plans. That deserved a lot better amen than that, but... <laughs> What's happening in our culture is no surprise to God. It's not like, oh my God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, what are we going to do? That He's had this plan from the beginning. He's well aware of our circumstances. He's the one who established the church of the hope of the world. He's the one who came to save us. He's the one that asks us to make room for people to question him. We need to stop as a church pushing people that don't believe just like us away and instead give them the space to come to know him the way we do. We, we have this idea that until you believe like us, you can't be one of us. But that's just not the case. We keep trying to steal the job of the Holy Spirit. And he's perfectly fine doing his job. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit brings holiness. The Holy Spirit convinces us of our sin and brings redemption. The Holy Spirit changes and transforms people. No amount of shaming Pointing, judging, hating is going to change the world. If you really are concerned about our nation, about our church, about our world, you need to quit judging and pointing and you need to start praying and inviting. Because Jesus is the only one that's going to make a difference. For so, I, I, I'm so worried for these generations like... Like my granddaughter and grandson. Because if... I don't want them to find a church that teaches them how to hate people. 
or feel like they're better than people. I want a church that's going to teach about the love of Christ and, and salvation through Christ. That everyone matters and everyone has worth. And even though we disagree, we can still love one another. And just as God dealt with me and my problem, he'll deal with you and your problem. And it's not up to me to handle all of that. One of my favorite sayings is, as Christians, we're supposed to be fishers of men. But it's our job to catch them, not clean them. (laughs) The Holy Spirit cleans them. We catch them. But right now, the bait we're using, the fish aren't interested. It's irrelevant. It's judgmental. It's hateful. I just cringe in social media when I see Christian people pointing, posting hate memes against other groups. It's embarrassing. That's not the God I know. Why'd you doubt? I got you. But the world's going in a bit. They're coming for us. You better be ready. I got you. I got you. I've had this plan forever. And I told you I'll be with you to the end of the age. I got you. You don't need to doubt. I got you. Last point. You have such low faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Verse 32. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Verse 33. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God. Do you see the chronology there? They doubted. They were afraid. The word of God out of the mouth of the son of God didn't put aside their fear, but their experience of Jesus changed them to when after the storm was calm and after Jesus was in the boat with them, then they worshiped. This is what I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not saying we don't, we don't care what the word says. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter how you live. I'm saying that that's what God does through the power of his Holy Spirit. Our job is to help people come to where they can grab Jesus' hand. Our closing song is going to be just as I am without one plea. We're going to do 49 verses until we raise $100,000. But just as I am. God loves you just as. Now the caveat is. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. But he loves you just the way you are. And we need to quit rushing to that. But you're not there yet. Because guess what? You're not either. He loves you just the way you are. And then he'll take us to where he wants us to be. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for, for being big enough to handle our questions and our, our, our doubts. For, being, for, for not being insulted by our fear and being overcome by circumstances. 
the, the, the world is a disturbing place and that it does seem like things are out of control and it does seem like it's worse than ever. But God, you have the power to calm the storm in a moment. So many of us have felt your hand rescue us and say, it's okay, I got you. Would you continue to develop our faith and build our faith and trust in you? And we pray this in the powerful name, your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.